If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, in heaven their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. Then little children were being brought to Jesus in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The the disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The acclaimed British evangelist, biblical scholar, and preacher of the last century, G. Campbell Morgan, had four sons, and they were all preachers. One evening, a guest was in, the camp, in Campbell's home along with the whole family, and they were in the drawing room, and the guest thought that he would see what Howard, Campbell's youngest son, was made of, and so he asked him the question, Howard, who is the greatest preacher in your family? Howard had a great admiration for his father, and he looked straight across the room at him, and without a moment's hesitation answered, My mother. I dare say if someone were to ask my daughters the same question, who is the greatest preacher in your family, they would give the same answer that Howard gave. In our text this morning, the disciples come asking Jesus a similar question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God? Evidently, they had been arguing along the way At least that's what Mark and Luke tell us as they recount this episode in the life of Jesus. Arguing among themselves that who would take the top place while they walked along the road. And we might think we could imagine that the greatest would be the one, Jesus would say, with the highest IQ, the greatest intelligence. The one with the highest EQ, emotional quotient, mature in relationship. The one who had the highest PQ, power quotient. The one who wielded the most leverage in life. Or the one who 
has the best lineage, the, the most esteemed family name we could imagine, or the most money or the most prestige, but Jesus, which should not surprise us by now as we have come to know him as friend and Savior, flips the whole conversation on its head. He turns it upside down. Jesus, the one who said, if you want to find your life, lose it. If someone hits you on your left cheek, turn to them the right cheek also. If someone wrongs you, forgive them not seven times, but seven times seventy. Jesus, the one who said, love your enemies, Pray for those who persecute you and revile you and say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. And if someone asks you to walk one mile, go with them a second mile. And if you see someone who has no clothing, give to them your coat. And who was it that Jesus said is the blessed among us, the favored, the happy? Jesus said, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are gentle. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are hungry after righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And the disciples asked Jesus the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus takes a child from the crowd. And he says, this is not a matter of greatness in the kingdom. This first is a matter of citizenship of the kingdom. And you will not even enter the kingdom unless you change and become like a child. And then Jesus goes on and says, whoever humbles him or herself like this child, that one will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus took from the crowd the lowest, the least, and elevates that one to the place of honor, to the place of emulation. Jesus took the child who represented no power, no place, no authority, a, a child who was seen as property, and in some cases, even in that day, a sacrifice and picks that one of lowly status, one who was under authority of another, and one who had no rights. And by placing that child in front of him, the whole notion of greatness is redefined. You want to be great? Be like this, Jesus says. You want to receive me? and receive this little one. It's almost as if Jesus is foreshadowing what he will say toward the end of Matthew's gospel when the disciples say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you sick and visit you? And Jesus says to them, when you have done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. And in the same way Jesus says, when you have received a child, 
It is like unto receiving me. Jesus is talking here about being childlike, not childish. And we know that children can be childish, but I think we adults have got a corner on that market many times. Frederick Buechner has written beautifully on it on the cover about this difference between childlikeness and childishness. Jesus is talking about being childlike. Robert Fulgham was quoted in the Kansas City Times and wrote a book of a similar title when he said, most of what I really needed to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. You may remember this. Wisdom was not at the top of, gra of the graduate school mountain, he said, but it was there in the sandbox in nursery school. These are the things I learned, Fulgham said. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. And when you go out in the world, watch for traffic, stick together, and hold hands. So many times we get so caught up in what the world defines as greatness and what the world deems as great in the eyes of our culture that we lose sight of what really matters and we neglect the qualities and the characteristics of which Jesus speaks, those qualities and characteristics that are eternal. Jesus says it's not about your IQ. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about your EQ, your emotional quotient. It's not about your PQ, your power quotient. It's not about the one with the most toys, as the old t-shirt says. It's not about the one with the most toys who wins. But it's about the one who shares what they have, even gives away their toys. We would all do well to check what I am calling our CQ, our childlike quotient. First on the childlike quotient, humility. Frederick Buechner in his writing on the subject of childhood says that it's worth looking at the small boy that Jesus pulled out of the crowd. He imagines it's a boy, it could have been a girl. But evidently, Jesus pulled a small one at random, and Jesus puts him in front of him, perhaps his hands on the young lad's shoulders so that he won't make a run for it. The child stands there wide-eyed, more than a little scared, much more than a little embarrassed, towing the dust. He wishes he had time to get the hair out of his eyes, button up his shirt, and at least have had a chance to spit out the bubble gum. He dreads being asked some question that he can't answer, or even one that he can. He hopes he won't be told to do something beyond him, and he'd give a lot as he waits there to be as tall as his big brother or as smart as his Uncle Joe, and he wishes he were anything worth being or knew anything worth knowing. All he knows for sure is that when the man called him, he had to go. 
Beekner goes on, presumably something like that is what Jesus meant by humble. Not self-deprecating, obsequious like a waiter angling for a tip. When the chips are down, the small boy saw himself for what he was. He didn't pretend to be anything he wasn't, if only because he knew he probably wouldn't get away with it. As far as is recorded, he didn't even open his mouth. He knew who his elders were, who his betters were, and he was ready to take whatever they had to give and only hope they wouldn't hold the bubble gum against him. If he had a large capacity for being scared and embarrassed, he also had a large capacity for being pleasantly surprised. In any case, he came when he was called. He was humble. Did you see little Robert this morning? Where did he stand? Behind his mother. How are you doing on the humility scale? How's your CQ when it comes to trust? Do you trust God? Do you trust your heavenly father like a child trusts their parent? How are you doing on the love scale? Are you loving unconditionally? Are there strings attached to your love? Or are you holding a grudge or looking for revenge? Are you enjoying creation? Are you finding, no matter where you are, marvel in this good earth that God has given to us so that you see the flower pushing up out of the crack in the sidewalk and can be utterly amazed all over again at a sunset that sets the sky ablaze in color? How are you doing on your childlike quotient? Are you asking for help? You know we all need it. Are we able to ask for it? Or are we trying to be so independent we have become helpless? Are you willing to try new things? Or are you stuck in a rut of sameness? Are you willing to venture out? Or has life caught you in a place in, in your self-satisfied way that, that you are dying in your comfort? Do you believe that God can and does still do miracles? Do you believe that all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us? Where are you on the CQ scale? Jesus said, unless you change and become childlike, you will never be able to enter the kingdom of God. Become childlike change our perspective and see things from the place of a child is becoming childlike even in our grown up years. A mother shared her surprise when they got the photos developed that her three-year-old had taken with the camera that they had given her. All she had were pictures of kneecaps. The mother laughed. Change your perspective. 
When was the last time you got on the level of the child? When was the last time you bended your knee and got on the floor? This past week I came to the church and I was visiting with someone who was working at the volunteer desk, helping answer the phones and directing traffic and visiting, asked about the family, and she wanted to talk about her granddaughter that had been to their home for a recent visit. And she said, it is so delightful to see. She follows her grandfather like a shadow. One of the greatest joys of her day was in the morning to go down the driveway with her grandfather to pick up not only our paper, but the paper of the neighbor that we were collecting while they're on vacation. And to see the two of them walking back up the driveway, each with their own paper, and then to come in on the den floor. And granddad opens the paper and begins to read. And his little daughter, his, his little granddaughter, who cannot read, opened the paper and look as if she's enjoying the editorial page just as much as he. And then the phone call came in, and Granddad took the call and leaned up against the counter in the kitchen, and there she, sticking out her little bottom in a similar pose, pretended like she was talking on the phone. To become childlike, we must change our perspective and see the world through the eyes of a child. We cannot see the world through the eyes of a child. We cannot change, we cannot become like children without getting on our knees and looking at things the way that a child does. The way the least of these see the world. I was impressed to read, read that some cities require their municipal engineers to navigate the downtown area in wheelchairs. I was impressed to read that some nursing homes require that their aides smear Vaseline on the, the lenses of glasses and put cotton into their ears so that they will know what it's like to try to hear and see clearly with the effects of aging at play. Some of us don't need to smear our lenses or put cotton in our ears. But Jesus is calling us to change, to become like children, to become humble, to know that we are un under the authority of another, and to live that way, and to look upon the world with eyes of wonder and possibility. And also Jesus says that we are not only to, to change ourselves, but that we are responsible ourselves for the little ones among us, for the least of these in our midst. And Jesus speaks of dire consequences for those who cause a little one to stumble, to sin. Jesus says it would be better for that one that they would have a millstone affixed around their neck like a necklace and tossed into the deepest part of the sea. Scripture and Jesus himself calls us to a fearless inventory of our lives. An honest look at ourselves. Jesus is calling us, if we are to be kingdom people, to repent, which means to turn, which means to change the direction of our lives, the thinking of our minds, to be something different than what we are today. To look at our lives and say, what is it that is causing me to sin? And how do I rid that thing from my life? Is it a love of money? 
Is it seeking after power and prestige? Is it holding control or sway over others? Is it alcohol? Is it pornography? Is it infidelity? Is it dishonesty? Is it selfishness? How do I need to die to myself that I may truly live? What is it that I need to pluck out of my life? An alarming image that Jesus uses of removing eyes and cutting off hands and feet. Where Jesus says it is better to enter the kingdom lame and blind than to walk whole into the fires of eternal hell. And then Jesus says, let the children come to me and forbid them not. Do not cause them to stumble. Do not block them. And the question needs to be asked, how well are we opening the way for the least of these to come to a knowledge and to a saving relationship of Jesus Christ? To answer that, we have to look at what Jesus meant when he said, let the children come to me. And it's more than just allow them. Okay, go ahead. I won't block you. It's more than encouraging them and cheerleading them. Yes, it is that. It is emboldening children. But more what Jesus is saying is facilitate them coming to me. Show them the way. Lead them. And that causes us to ask, If I want them to have it, I can't give what I don't have. How is our relationship with our Father? It was several years ago that I experienced something in my backyard. I've told this story before. My youngest daughter was a little beyond a toddler, a preschooler. And that morning we had walked in the backyard, I can't remember to do exactly what, the dogs were with us, and we walked to the back of the, of the lot, and then we turned to make our way back toward the house. This is on one of those cool mornings when the dew was very thick on the foliage and on the grass. And I turned and made my way back to the house, and sensing that my daughter was not with me, I looked back, and there she was, about midway through the yard, taking these large, exaggerated, steps and I said dear what are you doing and she said dad I'm trying to stay in your footsteps in the dew on the grass and something in my heart caught how is it that you are walking in what direction are you going and is it in a way that you would want your daughter to follow? And we ask ourselves the same question. How is it that we are walking? Where is it that we are going? And it, is, it, is it in a manner that we would have someone, the least our children, to follow? In whose footsteps are we following? Take comfort, for Jesus also said, It is not the will of my Father 
that any one of you should perish. The Father who is willing to leave the 99 and go and look for the one, and upon finding that one, rejoicing all the way home. Take heart. It is not the will of the Father that any one of us should perish. And who is the greatest among us? Yes, it's a child. He is a son. The son of our heavenly Father. An only begotten son who has taught us and shown us by his very word and deed what it means to trust and obey and love the Father. And when we follow him, It is Jesus Christ who will lead us to the Father. It is Jesus Christ who will, yes, lead us to life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us affirm our faith and respond in song by singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. We'd like to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us this morning, either here in the sanctuary where the sun is shining through the stained glass windows in our community, our warm community in Spring Harbor. For those of you worshiping with us via television, perhaps still drying out from the rains this week, we welcome you this morning and glad that you have joined us this morning as part of our worshiping community. For those in the sanctuary, I invite you to fill out the friendship pads that are located at the end of your aisles and pass those along to those seated next to you. And while you do that, I'd like to highlight a few of the announcements. Uh, Our youth this week, members of our youth group and adult advisors are in Chattanooga for a mission trip. We ask you to keep them in your prayers this week for a great experience for them. This Wednesday is our church family supper reunion with a meal beginning at 5.30 p.m. and a program to follow at 6.30 p.m. Our our presenter this week will be Dr. Paul Huff from Columbia Theological Seminary. He'll have a great presentation. And following his presentation, there will be a short sack lunch packing we pack lunches for our SAC ministry program. So we invite you to uh, participate in these events. Reservations are due tomorrow at noon to the church office. Some Sunday school classes and some of our midweek classes are taking a break in July, but others continue to meet. We encourage you to look in the uh, church bulletin or contact the church office to find out which classes are still meeting and which are taking a break. One of the organizations in Columbus that we uh, partner with here at First Presbyterian Church is the Pastoral Institute. They have a lot of great programs, and one of their offering now is called Crossroads. It's a class for married couples, July 12th through 13th. We encourage you to um, take a look at this if you're interested in that event there. We have uh, many other announcements that are in our bulletin or on our website at columbusfpc.org. Let us now continue to worship God with the presentation of our tithes and our offerings. 
Who is the greatest? The greatest is the host of this meal. Who says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my load is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. And so it is Jesus Christ himself, the greatest, the host, who invites you to come to this table. Come this morning as a child. Come trusting. Come loving. Come adoring and worshiping. Come receiving. As I thought about the communion service this morning, I had an image in my mind of other Christian traditions. We will come forward this morning to receive by intention bread and cup. In some traditions, they come and their hands are outstretched and open. Come in that posture as a child. In other traditions, Christians will come to receive the sacrament and they will bend their knees. Come with a humbled heart. Some traditions, communicants will even receive the elements with open mouths. As if a mother bird were placing the sustenance of life into her little one. Come in that needy posture. For it is the stuff of life that is offered to us here. The body and the blood. All is ready, children of God. Let us pray. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal God, our Creator. Jesus healed and taught, He challenged and comforted, He welcomed and He saved. He formed a community promising to be with His disciples wherever two or three were gathered and sending them on His mission of hope and healing in the world. Jesus trusted his life to you and went freely to his death so that the world might be set free from suffering and sin. This week we have witnessed so much suffering from the deaths of firefighters in Arizona to the frightening plane crash in San Francisco. Lord God, you raised Christ from death. Now raise us and those affected by these tragedies also to live a new life with Christ. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you send us out to make disciples as he commanded remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, and grateful that we live in a country of freedom, liberty, and justice. We take this bread and this wine from the gifts you have given us and celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Christ Jesus. Gracious God, as this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Let your spirit empower the life we share and ignite our witness in the world. Unite us now at your table and in one loaf and a common cup Make us one in Christ Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. On the night when our Savior was betrayed, he was at table with his disciples and he took the bread and he blessed the bread 
and he broke the bread. And he gave the bread, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, our Savior, after supper, took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant, a new agreement, a new relationship. It is sealed in the pouring out of my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. All of you drink of it. For as often as we eat of this loaf and drink of this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes again, and he will come again. These are the gifts of God for the children of God. Come, eat, drink, your comfort, your strength. I invite the elders to come forward to serve, and we will receive the elements by intention this morning. There will be a station in front of the area where you are seated. Exit your pew to your left and return in a clockwise fashion.
with God and at peace with one another through Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to time to share this peace by saying, the peace of Christ be with you and with Bond and also with you. Share the peace. called children of God, and that is what we are. So go, children of God, into the world and be childlike, starting now. Worship the Father, fellowship with the Son, rejoice in the Spirit. Go in peace and in joy, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.